Today on our show, it is the final countdown, or at least in its current in incarceration or whatever. Incarceration. <laughs> incarceration. Iteration. Iteration. And for it, we are doing the top 10 films of all time. All time. Hit it, Polly. Welcome to episode 400 of the Countdown Podcast. That make, song makes it sound very final. We are continuing, everyone. <laughs> it's not the final countdown. It's the final countdown movie and TV Let's report. see how you react to my list today. Then we'll determine Oh, that. okay. We'll see about that. <laughs> my name is Wayne. And my name is Paul. And I've completely thrown Wayne by doing something different than what we've done for 399 <laughs> episodes previous, which feels like a very good segue for this show. Oh, yes. The last in what's been almost an eight-year journey. Has it been eight years? It will be come March, so we're not there yet. But 401 weeks ago, we started this Countdown podcast, and we've delivered an episode of a Countdown 400 of those weeks. Like in mm. the first 10 or 20 weeks, we missed one once, and we've never missed one since. So well done to So Wizard, who've never missed one ever. Oh, well done. But uh, the rest of the world will understand how difficult a thing that is. So today's a big celebration in terms of what we've brought about to here and the community I think that we've built. So we're sharing our top 10 films each, not the top 10. I'm not saying Citizen Kane's nowhere near my list and neither is The Godfather Part 2 and films nope, like that. Nope. These are our 10 best films for us. Yeah. And it's, you know, weird So for some of us. And we're going to hear your three best films in a lot of cases. And we asked for feedback in our Facebook list community. Links in the show notes because, yes... Wayne is correct. The show will continue. It'll just be called something slightly different. The countdown. We'll, we'll reveal the that. Well, we'll reveal it now. Just <laughs> waiting till the end. Oh, sorry, cunt. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the countdown podcast, which is how we refer to it anyway. For the for the most part, we're dropping the movie and TV. We're going to count down all kinds of different things. We'll reveal what episode four hundred one is at the end of today, so you get an idea of what to expect moving forward. That's right. But you, the listener. Unless this is your first time to show you've been attracted by the title, well, in which case, welcome. This will all be very weird and probably you've already turned off by now. But you've still got 400 episodes to go past if you need to. <laughs> if you just like TV yeah, and movies. Yeah, if you want movies, it's all back there, well, through and the we'll, website. Yeah. But otherwise, the last 180 or 190 or so are on Apple Podcasts and, mm. and all the rest of that stuff. So this is a shared thing is what I'm trying to say. So it's not just us. Like, we've built this community. You have come. What's the line from... Field of Dreams. If, if you, you build, build it, it, they will they come. They will come. And, and that's I've exactly come many times. what I didn't want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what's happened here. So this is as much a celebration of this community that we've built and that have come along and joined us. And so we're going to hear from you, your top three, and also a little bit about what the show means to you. It's going to be a bit self-indulgent. It's going to take a little bit longer to get through. I'm the guy who has to suffer on the editing. I'm also the softer-hearted guy. Wayne will be like, oh, it's been going for so long. Can we just get on with it? You don't hear that stuff because I cut it out normally. <laughs> Um, if I could I might weigh seem like the harsh cunt. Actually, it's Wayne. <laughs> well, if I could weigh in, the community that you mentioned is absolutely the reason we do this. Yeah. Uh, you guys out there listening, even if you're a first-time listener right now, or you're a long-time listener, or you're in the community, or you're not, just hanging out with you guys, hearing what you say, even when you put your foot in my ass, which happens a lot, oh, I'm fine asses. with it. Now, look, I've greased it up. It's Most not people a have two feet, so they've got, you know, oh, you know yeah. two, two targets. Two kicks, exactly. <laughs> It's absolutely the joy that is in this, and the reason it went so long is because of you folks. So love hearing from and you. And then the patrons on top of that who patrons deliver their hard-earned like money level, as well. Forget about it. Just about all of whom I think are in the Facebook listening community. So I want to thank each and every one of you for, if you've come on two weeks ago, if you've been here since, as we'll hear from some people, episode 50 or right from the start. And one other person I'd like to thank is my wife, my first girlfriend, 
or she was the mother of my child, our child at that point in time when we started the show. But <laughs> And now my wife who has allowed me to come out, you know, in the sense of made time for, for us to get together once a week, except for one week in the last 401 weeks. And this, you've got a kid as well. It's even right. more than that. And my daughter who, yeah, likewise sort of just accepts that dad disappears for a few hours once a week to, to do this kind of thing and, and everything else. So thank you to her and thank you to my daughter. Well, my wife, and thank you to my daughter as well. And Absolutely. Wayne would thank someone else, but uh, I'd be here all day <laughs> if we had off. to count I the was, number of different I women. I was going to say, <laughs> I'm forever alone, so I haven't got anyone to ask permission from. On one side, it's nice because I'm always right. <laughs> I haven't been wrong <laughs> once in my life in terms of living alone, but absolutely. Uh, it's much harder for my man Paul over here, who still swings it and does the lion's share of the work, let's be honest. Oh, I did the editing. That's uh, that's a bit of it, but uh, no, thank you. And look, and thanks to my co-host. We'll probably wait till the end for all these thanks and whatever else we just get into it but uh, you wouldn't be able to do this for one I don't know this mates. is our thing this is our thing and, uh, it's, it's made our friendship stronger yeah it's, it's something that we'll always be able to look back on and even though the show moves into its new iteration if I can call it that uh, absolutely and I should mention people it's not like you'll never hear about movies again from us no it's still we still do movie reviews we'll and there'll still be movie there's a top downs. 10 films of the year there's the worst 10 films of the year coming yeah, there's, there's a best and worst of TV it'll come along there's top 10 last 10s that stuff will, will still continue and every so often maybe inspirational strikers oh what about this we haven't done that in a long time so absolutely we shall see that's enough of the preamble then let's get into it then with a segment which kicks off most every show it's back this time we've actually got some content for it <laughs> it's the recount who wants a who wants a What happened this week, Paul? Well, we had an episode last week that was the top 10 TV shows of all time, episode 399. Boy, oh boy, was there a smashing this week. 60% win to you, Wayne, to my 40%. Wait a minute. Are you saying I actually won you one of won. these? I haven't won since 1984. France has won, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's something you never hear. <laughs> 73 votes, so do the math on that, set of which 60% of people wow. voted for you. No, they, I think they, they felt sorry for you. No, 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 no. Chad Backlow, for example, said justified, of course. Yeah. Dude, how cool is Raylan? And yes, Wayne, I've watched the full series three times as well. My man. Philip Meany just said Wayne annihilated Paul this week and had the gif of from The Simpsons where someone's beating the shit out of someone. It's like, stop! <laughs> he's already dead! <laughs> wow. Smiley Smarty, mate to us, said Wayne for Batman, the animated series. Ah, connoisseur. Nicole Presley said, how is Paul losing? Lost Survivor, Buffy and Scrubs? Epic. <laughs> Scrubs, fair enough. And then Jon Snow, a.k.a. Julio from The Contrarian, said giving it to Paul because the Wayne bot that... <laughs> That replaced Wayne clearly malfunctioned and misplaced friends. I get it. Also, I get it. Lost is great all the way through. Okay. <laughs> Jason Barr said giving it to Wayne as he picked Seinfeld over friends. And then lastly, Stephen Croon said really hard to vote this week. Between the two of you, a lot of my favorites are represented. Wayne with Batman, Seinfeld, Game of Thrones, Sopranos, and Breaking Bad. Paul with Community Scrubs, Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, and Buffy. But I'm going with Wayne due to the absence of Lost. Terrible show, and for having <laughs> Sopranos and Seinfeld. Well done, sir, on that victory. I will guarantee you this right now. What? I've been honest with my list, and therefore, you will win in a landslide. I don't know, week. because I'll tell you this, right? It's like, the way that this list seems to be going is that the, the first five are your eclectic, wainish lists, and then the, the last five will probably appear in most people's lists. Do we have any crossover, do you think? Tons! Wait. Do? I don't know. I don't. Uh, yes, I do think so. Because some of this shit came from our childhood. So I'm thinking you maybe, but then again, you probably have like horror movies and shit. So maybe not. I don't know. Because it would not be a poll list about favorite stuff if it didn't have at least a horror movie on there. So we'll find out and we'll find out on the other side of this music cue, the top 10 films of all time. 
top ten films of all is the subject of this week's <laughs> countdown. As you are well aware, Wayne, I think you I let off last week. Take us away. Sure, what the hell. What we're going to do is we're going to read, though, some of these feedback that we had and asked for. So maybe we'll kick off with a bit of that, first of all. Starting with B-Dizzle. B-Dizzle. Billy Dunham My from Dizzle. the We Watched a Thing podcast. You had number three for him, his third best film of all time, Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind. Oh. Listeners to the show will know that his number two film of all time is Jurassic Park and number one is Princess Bride. Ooh. He wrote, the counter has, and I'm sure will continue to mean a lot to me. It's a safe space with an amazing community that's been built that has always been about so much more than movies and sometimes television. Whenever I'm really down, I can always throw on an episode of the show and know that I'll feel better. As soon as you guys launched the Patreon, I knew I had to pay to keep this up until you decide it's no longer for you, which will be a sad day for me if it ever occurs. Not to mention the personal companionship I felt. I've loved the few times I've gotten to hop on the show with you guys, and any time we converse is always a blast. Thanks again, and here's to the next 400. How lovely. Then Cy Wazow said his number one film of all time is Superman the movie. Number two is Star Wars and New Hope. Number three is Scum from 1979. What is that? First left field choice of the day. Thank you, Cy. The best thing about the podcast is pissing my pants with laughter at the banter between the both of you. So ah. Thank you for that, Cy. And B. Dizzle. Wayne, Thanks, guys. what's your number 10? My number 10 is a film called Leon the Professional. Ooh, very nice. I know. Now, I've, I've carried the torch for this movie many, many times. Over the years, I was like, what do you think is the best movie ever? What do you think? This isn't my usually something I mention to people. Mm -hmm. Now... Uh, if you don't know this, it's a, it's got Jean Reno and Natalie Portman in her first role, plus Gary Oldman and Danny Aiello and a few other folks. Now, it is about a hitman. I always think it's set in bloody Europe because that's the way it's shot. It's actually set, <laughs> it set in the States. I know. But it looks like it's a European film, man. Yeah, essentially it happens across this, this young girl who is like 12 years old or something. Her whole family's been slaughtered. He basically is forced to sort of take care of her and he, she asks him to teach her how to kill people. Which sounds really horrible and macabre, but it actually is this very sweet tale where they actually go through it. And the thing that's cool about the film, look, Gary Oldman steals it with his over-the-top cop. Oh, okay, what a performance. It's, it's amazing that it works, this performance, because honestly, if you brought this to any director, they'd go, look, dude, can you dial it down a bit? Mm. But no, he brings it all the way up and it works. The film itself, um, having this sort of hangdog Jean Reno dude who's like basically a killer, who is a killer. But then he's forced to sort of tap into this... But he's a code. He's got a code. No women, no children. Yes, which is... And, well, he thinks he's killing bad guys, but who knows? Exactly. So in the end, you're still in trouble. However, to have this moment where you've got a child there, and yes, Paul has often said that if you look at the director's cut of this thing, it's a bit uncomfortable. Because yeah, don't watch that film. Just watch, watch this one. Watch the one that I'm telling you, which is the cinematic... Theatrical. Yeah, theatrical release, uh, where it is actually sweet, the, 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 the relationship they have. It's very father-daughter. To my knowledge, like the whole movie itself was amazing to me. All of the scenes and all of the cool things and how they show you how professional his ass is and stuff. And at the very end, there's a Sting song. I love Sting at the time. I love him now. It just put the button on it as an as a almost perfect movie for me. Shape of my heart. Shape of my heart, baby. Yep. Great song. So yes, the, the Professional is my number 10. Very nice then. Before we hit my number 10, I want to hear from Jonathan Kidd in his top three. Number three, Fargo. Fargo. Which I don't. I believe you didn't like the first time you watched it's it. Typical Coen Brothers. Hated it the first time, liked it the frog Good times. Number two, The Godfather, and number one, Robocop. I'm just going to assume it's a Paul Verhoeven version. Oh, yeah. This has been my favorite podcast for years now. The friendship and transparency you both bring make for great listening. My wife, not a movie person, even knows you by name. What? Mostly by saying, don't listen to Paul and Wayne with the baby in the car. <laughs> <laughs> Good call. Very nice. All right, my number 10 then is a film which, as you might imagine, I'm going to champion a lot of films we talk about a lot on this podcast. It's, to my mind, one of the greatest, it is the greatest comedy horror of all time. Narrowly beating out another one that's on my honourable mentions. It's Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead, of course. From it's Edgar Wright. Look, what more do I need to say about this film? 
the first time they made a film together, Sean Penn, Sean Pegg, Sean Nick Pen. Frost and Edgar Wright. And it was just magic. It was lightning in a bottle. It was so cleverly done. I think this is one of the best scripts ever written. Everything, every single thing set up in that first 30 minutes pays off. There's not a wasted moment in this movie from mm. yeah, the comparative walk, one shot, walk down the road to get a coin out oh, yeah. to every little bit and piece they said the albums they throw, every gag virtually for me works in this film. And Simon Pegg is so likable. And even Nick Frost playing the arsehole kind of mate somehow still manages to be charming and, yeah, it's, and engaging. Yeah, it's actually weird it's because weird. the premise of the actual opening act is he's an arsehole. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, somehow you still get to like him all the way through. I believe for a zombified like dude like you're zombified, like zombie, zombified. you know, someone who's an enthusiast on this type of thing, this is probably the perfect storm for you in terms of it's you know accessible because it's like you know it's not even a big budget thing but they know so much about the genre that you yourself are nodding each time you see yeah your it's line. got all those in jokes of course and then you say it's not a big budget but i think it looks great oh no, no it's, it, it looks it's for what it is it's fantastic for what, yeah for what they pulled off with the budget that they had and obviously it launched all three of these guys' careers after space which they worked on as a tv show great show by the way do check that space one out is great too so yeah sean the dead is is just magical every one of these films by the way five stars on my list May I ask, Paul, if indeed you were to encounter the zombie apocalypse, I've always wondered this about you. I've always wondered this about you. Let's say we're here in Vic Park, okay? Mm-hmm. You're in your house with your family. Actually, you know what? Let's take your family out of it. They're away f- for something. Okay. Right? Now, it happens. The zombie apocalypse starts in Victoria Park, Perth. Starts here? Starts here. Well, that's easy. Get in your car and drive. Okay. Wait a minute. It's overrun, but it comes to us, all right? Okay, so right. you can't just fuck off, all oh, right? right? What we have to do, Paul, is hold up and wait for it to blow over, if indeed it does. <laughs> How does it go? Do you say, do I call you and say, Paul, the zombie apocalypse is happening. And do you say, it's cool. I have 12 AR-15s here. No, I don't. No, you don't, right? Because <laughs> we're not allowed to have guns here in Australia. I know, we're not allowed to. So we're fucked. So here's the thing, Paul. I think home like base camp or whatever, uh, whose house is more secure? It's got to be yours because you got to... Oh, mm. No, I think I think home base camp, much like the good Shaun of the Dead characters, is, is our local pub. The Dutch, Brooklyn Dutch Trading Company. Dutch Trading Company. I would overrun that thing in ten no, seconds. You can pull down shutters. They pull down shutters over all the windows. Huh? They don't have a second floor, Paul. But I suppose they could come up to there. All right. Well, what we're That's about true. There's no second floor. Look, I've got a sword that deflects Nerf bullets. <laughs> <laughs> Some think. <laughs> Some might say. Um. Well, there's no other real weapons. Have you got a baseball bat? You got golf clubs, right? Golf clubs. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna cut mm. it, man. We're gonna need some kind of blade. I don't even have bloody LPs to fling at them like doing Sean of the Dead. Oh my god, you are fucked. We're we both were, fucked. We're <laughs> fucked. I'm saying, get the car and drive. Don't. Yeah, you're right. Do not wait. Zombie apocalypse happens. Get out of the main city central. There's my advice to you. Life advice. Good advice moving forward, Wayne. Excellent. Before we hear your number nine, here's from Timothy Williams. His top three: The Dark Knight, number three; number two, Dumb and Dumber; mm-hmm. number one, Boys in the Hood. Oh, and he said, I was introduced to the Countdown Pod during the hard COVID lockdown in Melbourne. Another podcaster, John Roker, introduced me to the show. I actually wonder how you heard about that one. Is that Yeah, John Roker was on our show. Yeah, He's an actual famous podcaster yeah, who's real, got a lot. Oh, wow. Real person works with Collider or he worked with Collider and all the rest of that. And their show, Top 10, still going very, very strong. I binged it all from the very start. It got me through some dark times during the lockdown. Mm. Because of that, I joined as a patron to thank the guys. Love the show and also I'm excited to see what comes next. Thanks again, fellas. P.S. Wayne, love a good Wayne burger gag. <laughs> Why, thank you. And shout out to the Melburnians who had the longest lockdown in the world, I believe. No, that's been since debunked. I think somewhere in Buenos Aires or something. Oh, Buenos Aires? Yeah, but top five worst But ever. still very difficult. Yeah, terrible, terrible. Psychologically difficult. Yep. Yeah, so nice one. My number nine, ladies and gentlemen, is The Usual Suspects. Ooh. And I went, by the way, just a footnote about my list. 
It changed eight times since I started mm. doing it early this week. Easiest list I've ever made. And frankly, it's changed since like <laughs> I stopped doing it till now. I changed this two could... things only on my list. Did I, you? I did it in five minutes flat, done, tick. Usual Suspects, honorable mention, doesn't make my top Yeah, ten. this was back and forth. But the reason it's on here now, by the way, The Usual Suspects has got, yes, Kevin Spacey, but also Stephen Baldwin, Gabriel Byrne, Chaz Palminteri, Kevin Polak, Pete Postlethwaite. And it is about a bunch of criminals who are rounded up. Uh, and it's it's essentially a heist film, and the titular Phantom Menace of Kaiser Soze, who is this Kaiser Soze. He terrifies even the most hardened criminal. No one knows who it is, and it is probably the reason it's on my list is that one, when we saw it when we were kids, we'd never seen anything like it, and it probably to this yeah, day yeah. is the movie that fooled me. I don't know if it fooled me the most, but it fooled me in the most memorable way mm. as to who the bad guy is. And I didn't realize this, but Christopher McQuarrie actually wrote it, yep. the, the Mission Impossible guy, yep. who I fucking love. And um, the, the film itself, though, it, it, in its way, is just memorable in lots of different things. Like, Agreed. The worst thing about it is, um, I didn't mention him, but Benicio Del Toro's stupid accent. Nah, it's not the worst thing. Oh, come on. Who is it? Flip it for real. Flip it for real. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's Benicio. <laughs> So that that aside, I still love the film, which means that the bare bones of the film is so good it became memorable over the years. And Paul even used to use Kaiser Soze as a like a not a Twitter handle, but like whatever back, back before we had Twitter. Yeah, my my handle on the PS5 is still Kaiser 0075. So <laughs> very memorable. Obviously, one of the great characters of all time, one of the great creations. I agree, one of the best scripts ever written. I believe for well any production ever. Probably, yeah, it just works so well. It's perfect. It's a great film. It's another five-star film for me. It's probably number 12 on my list of all-time films. Yeah, so. pity about that director. Yeah, well, <laughs> we now know what it is. And it's easy to sort of cancel those two people, but not the, their body of work, given all the other people no. who worked with it. And I think we've long championed that perspective. All right, before my number nine, Jesse Dixon has his top three. Number three, Whiplash. Mm. Number two, The Green Mile. Number one, Dead Poet Society. Wow. Some very eclectic choices here, which is great. Uh, I found that the countdown the first week in lockdown 2020, I've been listening every week since, is by far my favourite show. My favourite episode is your Godzilla vs. Kong review. Really? I've listened to it about 35 times. <laughs> Though, whenever I have a tough day, Wayne not realising it was part of the Monsterverse franchise always puts a smile <laughs> on my face. I've heard that from a few folks. It's like, one of my favourite moments on the show is when Paul points some obvious shit out to you <laughs> and you're like, really? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> He's a lovely little idiot. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for providing me with an hour a week of joy, a place where I can forget all the bad things in life and laugh over and over again at the same glorious sounds in the soundboard. Well, that I don't even know what clearly, you're about there, dude. Clearly necessitates this. Oh, this, fuck off! Would you speaking of fucking off? Stop moving the the icons over iPad. Cheers to four hundred. Oh, fuck, forgot about these. <laughs> Please, sir, your number. My number nine, it is, is a film which we reviewed for the show. So it's, it's happened during the life of the show. It is the most recent film on my list. Mm. It is, of course, Mad Max colon <laughs> Fury Road. No way this isn't on the list. Yep. Absolutely. Look, <laughs> I just feel like saying, yep, move on. We've done this one. You know what it is. But this one where Tom Hardy takes over the role. And George Miller, somehow at 70 years of age, makes this film which blows the previous films out of the water. I hear lots of people talk about Road Warrior. Mad Max 2 is the best film of the lot. You're on absolute drugs, if you believe that. This film is bigger budgets. It's so much better stunts. It's so much... It's more Mad Max 2 in every way, shape, and form. It's just that Tom Hardy's not as good as Mel Gibson was in the role. But we've got Charlie's there on us. It's Furiosa. not even about Tom Hardy. No, Mel Furiosa, Furiosa is the main yeah. character. And 
memorable villain, great sort of set pieces, some of the best car chase shit you've ever seen. Oh, they get someone come halfway back. Who cares? That's part of the narrative. If that's all you're hung up on, then you've missed the point. I put this to you. George Miller is the anti-Dabama. Yes. He's 70, he's rocking it hard, and he's still putting shit like this Ooh. out. So now we need a new award. Yeah. The Miller. The Millers. Yeah. Doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? The, the Meet the Millers. I don't know. <laughs> the George Millers. The George Millers, yeah. I don't know. It's... um. But there's, who else has won that award, Paul? Who, very, what seventy-year-old director do you know that's still kicking out class? Cannot wait. I don't to see think of one. Furiosa when it comes out with uh, Anya Taylor Joy. I think it's not next year. It might be early 2024. So, Damn. yeah, Mad Max Fury Road is my number nine best film. Nice one. Before my name, Barry, let's hear from some of the folks, Paul. This one is Joy DiCarlo from the So Is The Podcast. Aforementioned number three, Independence Day. Really? Number two, Aliens. Not a bad choice there at all. Number one, The Empire Strikes Back. Excellent. Countdown is my favourite podcast. You guys are absolutely hilarious. And to have been a guest and a friend of the show makes it even more special. I'm in for whatever comes next. Maybe the real The Countdown movie interviews, television reviews, is the friends we made along the way. Which is a nice set. Oh, how lovely. That's nice. Thank you for that, Joey. All right, Wayne, your number eight. Well, very apt that you read that one out because my number eight is The Empire Strikes Back. Now... Ladies and gentlemen, The Empire Strikes Back, 1980 film, starring everyone you know, Mark, Harrison, Carrie. I saw this in the drive-ins, everyone. I was five years old, and I... It's probably one of the first movies I remember seeing. It certainly uh, has made an indelible impression upon me. Now, I'm a Star Wars fan, Paul, less so. Now... Yeah, I think it's fair to say. Right. Now, for me, this sounds silly, but the Star Wars theme, that thing is actually personifies the grandiosity of cinema itself for me. I remember, whenever I hear that thing, I want to sort of look to the sky at the roof of a big cinema or just, it makes me feel like movies are big. Mm. So that's like, that. that's why Star Wars is so big to me and that's why I'm so discerning about the new ones and that sort of shit because nothing can be that magical. I was never that young again. But... When it comes for, like, a show it's pure nostalgia, The Empire Strikes Back, it's, it's the typical, the original This One's Darker sequel. That's where it came from, I think. Just what well, I... But we re- talk about that, right? Yeah. A middle chapter of a trilogy is the tends one? to be darker one. That came from this. Yes, absolutely. This there wasn't was trilogies of films before this. Exactly. And, and I remember when this thing came out, because again, the, was it Star Wars came out before I was born, I think. 74? No. When was it? 76? 75? 77? 77? Okay, I was two, right? I didn't know shit. 78. 78, whatever, all right? Somewhere in that range. Okay, I, was, I basically only heard about it after it came out. But then when Empire comes out, I'm there with my parents at the drive-in. and then 77. It starts in like, um, yeah, 77. Uh, it starts in fucking Hoth. Like there's fucking snow. And there's Luke Skywalker walking around on a tauntaun. And I'm like, wait, Star Wars is in the stars. I'm looking at the universe, but I see this thing here. It's a whole new way of thinking where you open a show, not what you expected. And my parents were like, hey, is that is that Mark Hamill? And I'm like, no, Mark Hamill doesn't look like that. He hasn't got like rugged up, like cream colored clothes on. And they, of course, recognized his face. I was <laughs> looking for the guy with the robes and the fucking lightsaber. So, Hot damn! Exactly. But like, the Empire Strikes Back. And the, the idea that that whole thing where Harrison Ford was frozen, I mean, Council of Frozen Carbonite, he's there with all the stormtroopers and shit. And then he kisses like fucking Princess Leia. And all the stormtroopers let him kiss. <laughs> and then they sort of pull him away and they put him down and stuff like that. It's so cool. And the, what they've done with this show and what they've done with the franchise all came from here. Did you know there's a scene in that very, the carbonite freezing bit where Boba Fett has a bead on Chewbacca when he beats up some of the fucking stormtroopers and he's about to fire and Darth Vader kicks it, like grabs the gun and pushes it down. Because 
We didn't know back then that Darth Vader actually knew Chewie and shit like that or whatever. Or had like a C-3PO on his back and didn't want him to get shot. They made it like that. That's why he did it. So this is all some cool shit. Is that and why I, he did it? Well, that's the only reason. Now did that Darth we know he made stuff, that C-3PO, he must have recognized him on, on, on Chewbacca's back. And when, Darth, and when Boba Fett was about to shoot Chewie with thingy on his back, Darth Vader stopped him because I know that's my friend. I actually made that. Oh my god! Darth Vader did that, people! And that was done way back then! So I'm just saying, this is the jam. Empire Strikes Back, baby. Alright, there we are. A very popular choice, I have no doubt. Josh Ragland is up next in terms of his feedback. He said, number three, Rushmore, film I've never seen. Number two, the aforementioned Shaun of the Dead. Number one, Reservoir Dogs. And he said, the comedy, the camaraderie, and the insight to film, and sometimes TV. Although I've never met anyone in person in the countdown community, I feel like I've made some lifelong friends, and that is all thanks to the boys and how they interact with everyone who listens. Regardless of format, I'll keep listening because that's what friends do. Plus, you guys are piss funny. My man. Very nice. Lovely. Thank you for that, Josh. My number eight is also the man who created the Facebook listening community, Scavenger Hunt, which I still need to go back and sort of match up the films I've watched with that to see if I can, can get bingo before the end of the year. My number eight is a film which is arguably one spot too slow, Wayne. Too slow, too low. Too low. Yeah. It's also too slow, therefore. Yeah. It's a film which, to this day, creates consternation and still gets referenced in a moment of the show which will go down in history for a long past when you and I stopped doing the show. <laughs> what? It's Saving Private Ryan. Whoa. Because, yeah. It's I didn't a- expect you to put this on here. What? So- I don't know. Wow, okay. Wow. Like I said, number I eight. lots of people die in it. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. It's also, to my mind, the greatest war film <laughs> ever made. <laughs> like a seven for me. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> and the, the amount you feel for these characters, it's Steven Spielberg sort of turning his attention back and saying, well, I can do more than just family kind of adventure films. Absolutely. I, I can create and more than just dr- dramatic films. I can do a war film and a film which tugs at your heartstrings and makes you care. And I can assemble this great cast of characters. And by the end of this film, you don't want a single one of them to die other than maybe the one guy who lives. But <laughs> ironically... What a movie. The bookend battle scenes are some of the best ever. And the moments in between, I've never fought in a war, thank God. Mm-hmm. I never will, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And just because I'm too old now, suddenly we end up in conscripting people who well, are they'll old. Be, they'll be throwing shit at us going, you, yeah. cannon fodder. <laughs> yeah, well, this film feels to me as authentic as it could be. Like the horror, the that opening scene is just... And I know I'd be the first guy to catch a bullet. Bro, that opening scene, I can't... I think I've seen it twice and I've got to skip it if I ever watch this again. It's too difficult to watch. And that came from Spielberg, the guy who did E.T. And it's folklore on the show and and in terms of our (laughs) lives. But the guy who lost it in the cinema where we were watching this film when Upham doesn't go to help um, the dude from... Friends. Friends, yeah. (laughs) And he gets stabbed to death by the side. And then the German soldier doesn't even kill him. Doesn't even kill him. No, 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 no. That's one of the worst death scenes in history. I think that was no, that was. List. You know what? When I saw this film, because first of all, I think this is Spielberg's best film. I know you yes. gave it to a bunch of other ones, right? No, this is this is mm, very. This has got to be it, right? Yeah, because it is. I well, didn't it think is. I don't have a Steven Spielberg film higher. This on my list. I didn't think that there was that he was capable of making you do this, and that's when I thought, oh, this is why Spielberg is magnificent. It wasn't Jaws. It wasn't. The, it was, although that was amazing, right? Jaws this amazing. thing here, Jaws Dark's amazing. Oh, all of those. Yeah, uh, Jones and Last Crusade all, amazing. Dude, I saw... Temple of Doom, yeah. I saw Temple of Doom like <laughs> five days ago and I'm like, I fucking love this show. It could have gone on my list, it didn't. Right? No way. I'm saying, it was so great. But like, uh, you know what? Willie was annoying, I gotta say. There was a lot of screaming. Sure, God. Yeah. But... <laughs> the, but Spielberg doing this made me realize, oh no, he is the best. Yeah, I think he was. I think this might be the last great Steven Spielberg film. Well, it wasn't that bloody um, VR one. 
Ready Player One. Yeah, it wasn't. And I expected it to be, let me tell you. With all that fucking Back to the Future shit in there, shit. Uh, look, I'm sure someone out there's screaming into their, into their I'm phone sure. slash radio now. But yeah, look, this film is where it's at for me. Saving Private Ryan is my eighth favourite film of all time. Nice one, brother. My number seven, Paul, go ahead. Before we get there, Troy Spinner, ex of the Comic Confidential podcast. We were in the network with, with Troy and, T-spin. and Cade way back in the day. Uh, it wasn't that long ago, probably a year or so ago that that all came to a close. He said, top three is way too difficult to pick. I feel like it changes with the seasons, but I'll say this. You guys have been a constant and consistent source of top-shelf entertainment since I first started listening way back around episode 54. Still to this day, the only podcast I never miss. Look forward to seeing what you guys bring going forward, and thank you both for the years last. Thank you, Troy. Thank you, man. And all thank right. you for doing all of the lists every week. Yeah, I, I sh- thank you. I should mention that. Troy, who writes lists, and he did so again last week. Uh, just incredible. Okay, nice. Well, my number seven... I mean, I guess this is going to turn up on Paul's list, but I'm not sure. And if it is going to turn up, he's going to throw a big bat low at me. Uh, my number seven is the film Basic Instinct. Low! <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> All right, good, good, good. Um, All at the same time. Vindication! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, many of you know this. Some of you do not. But there is lore, much more lore about this film than there oh, is a lot of ones. Because Paul and I... We didn't become friends with this film. That would go to Tango and Cash, which Tango I assume. Tango and Cash. But this film here is definitely the movie of our sexual awakening, or at least, <laughs> the, or at least the one that we talked to each other about. Yeah. Yep. Uh, because it, I can't remember thinking ever that there was a hotter woman than Sharon Stone at the time. Agreed. Like, to this day. <laughs> yeah, beautiful, sexy, the whole lot, right? Dangerous. So, to this day? Yeah, I don't know. Her in her prime is better than anyone that you can I think, think so. of. So better than like Kate Beckinsale? Yep. Uh, better than... Do you you like? could do this all day long. Yeah, you're right. The answer will be yes. All right, fair enough. Good. <laughs> uh, but more about but, but about the film itself. So that's Sharon Stone, right? The film itself, about Catherine Trammell, who's a beautiful crime novelist. She becomes a suspect when Michael Douglas, who's a Nick Curran, he's he's, 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 he's a detective. He's a detective, and he's investigating the whole lot, and it becomes this cat and mouse game of fucking and and arresting and shit like that. Now, the film itself, I believe, for my money, is one of the cleverest ambiguous plots I've seen. And remember, at the time this came out, this was one of the few R-rated movies they would release in the cinemas. Seriously, you could count them all on one hand in that year, I reckon. And still, they went ahead with, no, let's make the plot complex in its veracity, Mm -hmm. in its highly sexual nature, all these sorts of things. And let's put a big star, Michael Douglas, in there. Now remember, Michael Douglas at the time was one of those movie actors, one of those stars where I said, wherever he's in, I'm going to go see it. So for you, this Michael Douglas was a movie star. Definitely. So, Romancing the Stone, Jewel of the Nile, huge, Black Rain, huge. Fatal Attraction. Yes. All these films came before this. Absolutely. The last time he was a movie star in the way that I'm like, oh, I got to go see that Michael Douglas movie was The Game, mm. in mm-hmm. my opinion. A few years which, after which was going to go on this list. It ended up going to the honorable mentions. Okay. But also, the, the way that this whole thing turned out, I didn't realize that a film could be this one sexy, but also two interesting, three thrillery, and four. Rewatchable, yes, titties, yes, fur burger, but that's not the point. All right, that's not really why I'm watching it. I'm watching it because of the way the movie feels. I went to San Francisco just because I like this movie. <laughs> that's one of the reasons I went, brother. That is awesome. So yeah, Basic Instinct is the bazaar, everyone. I I'm gonna say a bit more about why this film is please to me later because yeah, I want to yeah. tell a story. Bring right? it up, bring it up when it comes. Absolutely. But so I'll save that one. We don't normally do this, but I will on this particular good, occasion. Good, good. Except to say, I agree with everything you said. Yes, it's hella sexy and kind of mind-blowing to teenage boys when they first watch this. Oh. God damn. And yes, it's hella intriguing. And yes, it's got some, I think, some stellar performances 
from particularly from Sharon Stone, who will never be as good in anything ever again than she is in this film. Because yeah. this is it it's almost like this film was made for it. I'm pretty sure Catherine Tramiel they tested or, or asked multiple women before Paul Verhoeven went to, okay, how about this un- relative unknown Sharon Stone? So. Yeah, I think Michael Douglas actually championed her because like he said, no, I think this one's like the chemistry test worked the best. But that became sure who she did. Yeah, but, but that became who her actual off-screen persona was. Like that she became a badass Hollywood like force to be reckoned with almost because Catherine Tramell is like you you, you she's personified, mm. you know. And Joe so, Esther has he changed the game in Hollywood because this is the first film where the writers come after the credits, after the producers. Absolutely. So I forgot he, his book, Hollywood Animal. It's yeah, it's like, true. His weight around there to, to make that happen. So, yeah, this was a game changer in many different ways. One of the most successful R-rated films of all time as yeah. well. So, Basic Instinct is a great choice at your number seven. Before we get to my number seven, here is uh, Chris Sutherland, a patron of the show, like Troy Spinner before him, and indeed many of the people we've heard about so far. Number th- three for Chris, Logan. Oh, Logan, good call. Number two, Fellowship of the Ring. Excellent call. We obviously know how much a huge fan Chris is of The Lord of the Rings. And number one, Hot Fuzz is his favorite <laughs> film of all time. Fair enough. This show really helped me through lockdown. While many were at home in their PJs online, I was out in my posty van picking up all your shit and throwing it in the parcel centers for dispatch. Did I say throw? Yeah, you heard me. Tell them to pack it better. <laughs> um, every Wednesday, I would eagerly wake up 3.30 a.m. to get ready for work and download the show knowing at least one day a week I have an hour of laughs. I expect this to continue. Thanks, guys. So nice. That's, that's pretty awesome. Very too. cool. Thank you for that, Chris. My number seven is my favorite Quentin Tarantino film. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, here comes Pulp Fiction. No, Pulp Fiction is not my favorite Quentin Tarantino film. I know what it's it is. It's Reservoir Dogs. Of course it bloody is. Reservoir Dogs was something completely different to me. It was, well, 1992 did it come out? We must have, I don't know how the hell I saw this in the movies, but I did. Oh, I remember. You, in, you and Brett and all those guys actually had seen it already. And you, Oh, no, you hadn't. You invited me along. We went to the Lumiere, son. But we must have got in, or it was delayed, and it came out here after my birthday in 1993. I think which so. I think it did. I, I don't think, think it, it did. saw the light of day here in Australia until late 1993. No, because by the time it became popular enough to be a worldwide thing, because mm. it was his first film. Uh, yeah, we were 18 at the time, and you guys said to me, hey, do you like 70s music? And I went, I don't know. I'm too young. <laughs> and then you said, well, there's, uh, who's in this film? I said, no, no one you'll know. Which is true at the time. I didn't know who Harvey Keitel was, Tim Roth. I didn't know any of these people. Uh, and well, so, that's right. I mean, most of these people aren't. That This film made most... Harvey Keitel being the exception. But Yeah, but the, I remember the, the, the tag when I was looking in the newspaper, ladies and gentlemen. That's what I looked mm. at the newspaper to see what was the listing. Uh, the, the little ad for it said, we're going to sell you a seat, but you're only going to use the edge of it. Did it really? Yeah. <laughs> that was the tag for the film. And I was like, great. What does that mean? And then when the fucking torture scene happened, I knew what they meant because everyone was making fun of me. That was infamous before that film came out. I remember reading re- interviews with I Quentin Tarantino know about, shit it. about it. But that this film just completely blew my mind in terms of the dialogue. This yeah. is effectively a heist film where you never see the heist. You see the yeah. planning of, you see the aftermath of, mm. and that's it. Yep. And what an intriguing idea. And oh yeah, he ripped off Ring of Fire. Okay, sure. Really? There's okay. some elements of that. I can't is it something Ringo Lamb or something like I can't remember the guy's okay, name who made that. I've watched that movie and there's definitely some similar DNA unquestionably. But that film doesn't have this dialogue. Yeah. That film doesn't have this characterization in a 99-minute film where there's not, again, a wasted scene. Everything in this film works for me. And mm. I just, where it goes and how it ends, and even you can debate who's alive, who's going to survive, what happens at the very, very end of the, of the film, and does Mr. Pink live or not. All that shit is just awesome to me. Since we're here, Paul, mm-hmm. what do you think? At the end, Harvey, everyone dies, Harvey Cartel included, he definitely unless dies. he was wounded. He definitely right? dies. Mr. Pink, I, I believe... He from, runs out, but you hear kind of shots. From the audio, 
I reckon they put him in the put one in the leg and they, they arrested yeah, him. Yeah, he might have lived or he might have got shot in the leg. He got shot. He definitely yeah. didn't get away. That's a hundred percent for sure. Yeah, Chris Pan, Lawrence Tierney, I guess he was a name before this too. They're all but not perfect. to us. No, not to us. Not to not to seventeen, turn, yeah. just turn eighteen year olds. I've watched this film a dozen times. It never gets old. It never gets boring. The soundtrack, as you said, blew you know, my mind. You know, it was also a, a factor about that this film at that time because we had made. Some of you know this. We made a fucking shit. No, film. not by this time. This is one of the films that influenced. That's right. I so, saw. Yes, I mean, but we also had it in our head. It's like, well, why don't we do this thing? Is like, it's very in our DNA because we made a shitty film called Reap. One of the things Quentin Tarantino said about Reservoir Dogs is that when he was making movies like the one we did, all of his time was spent mostly on buying KFC so that people would stay because <laughs> he couldn't pay the actors and all this other shit. When it came to Reservoir Dogs, he remembers going there seeing all the big trailers and they said, okay, just direct. You don't have to worry about, mm. about food or this. And he's like, oh, and that's what made him, you know. So, and remember, this is a guy whose second movie won him an, won an Oscar. Yeah, for best, adapted, uh, best original screenplay. Yeah, yeah, so there you go. All right, very cool, I have to say, because that's my own choice. But, uh, yeah, you didn't hate it. That's good. I mean, it's hard to hate anyone's choices up here, I right? because they did this and it's like, Although, yeah, that said, basically, I'm sure people sure. will be howling into their, into their listening uh, devices. Yeah. Francis Booker is next off with the top three films, Massively Dependent on Food, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring at number three. Number two, Toy Story. I'm still a massive kid at heart. It's something I can watch over and over. I love it. And number too. one, again, Hot Fuzz. As a Brit oh. who's lived in a model village, it was incredible. So many layers to joke, so much enjoyment. I've rewatched this more times I can count. I get it. I totally Countdown get it. has really helped me in my life. Fuck knows how I discovered it and what made me listen, but I've got friends in the UK listening now as I succumb to the humor and brilliance of it. When I'm going through a shit time, an episode can really cheer me up and make me laugh. When life's good, it's great to be able to relax and listen to you guys. Beautiful. Uh, weirdly, the first time I replied to you guys, Wayne told me to eat his ass. <laughs> In a friendly way, because I said that to everyone. <laughs> the fact I still listen is probably a reflection on me, but essentially you're both fucking awesome. I look forward to the next 400 and eat my ass, Wayne, just for that first time. I'm uh, salivating at the thought. <laughs> <laughs> What's your number six? My number six is Ghostbusters! Oh, wow. Yeah, because you know why? For some reason, this film means so much to me. I don't think I need to tell anyone what Ghostbusters is about, but it's Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, Sigourney Weaver, Rick Moranis, Annie Potts. First of all, it was... If you want to call it a horror movie, fine. But it's not, right? It's got horror elements in uh, a comedy, no. right? It's like one scary bit in the first, what, 10 minutes, 15 yeah, minutes? Yeah, the, the librarian Yeah, chick? the librarian thing goes... Okay, so I shat it. my pants in that, right? And I was like, oh, but you know what it was? It was a comedy first, and it felt like the, you know, the Ivan Reitman genius, right? That whole... <laughs> the, the, the plunky piano sort of score as they're walking around New York, and the fact that New York in this movie looks grey and gloriously beautiful, a lot like a part of Perth that I used to identify with, which is the post office okay. in Forest Chase. Yeah, yeah. Made me love it. The idea of moving a job where you move around the city and do stuff and have interesting encounters and have friends at work was how I sort of thought and hoped my life would be at that age. It wasn't like that at all. But the... <laughs> it just turned out to not be like that at all. Uh, however, it made me love... It started my love for New York. And it started me... when I, you know, That's why I've been there a few times and that sort of stuff. But the way that this whole film feels and the way that these three guys are, or four guys, come together and the fact that i think that this is a comedy that had a horror element and then it's the first time i said hey i can like something that has horror in it which means i'm not such a bitch after all <laughs> but i am but i didn't think so at the time so it became this whole thing and i just loved the the tech in here the fucking proton packs cool as fuck the ghost traps that you throw out and it opens the thing and there's a beam that all of that shit is a much more accessible way of like here's how we deal with ghosts instead of seances instead of like all this other yeah, shit enough. this was a tech version of that so I just love Ghostbusters and I even love Ghostbusters too whoa that's right the subsequent films less so although the very last one was fine 
But the one with the chicks. Afterlife. Yeah, Afterlife was alright. But the one with the chicks, no. So, uh, yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Not because whoa, of the on. chicks, it just wasn't <laughs> as good. Although I did like Chris Hemsworth in it. I meant to hit that earlier, but then I somehow had the, the soundboard on mute. Oh, what a shame. <laughs> okay, Ghostbusters, my number six. Let's hear Laurie Miller's top three then. Up next, number three, Jaws. Hmm? Number two, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Wow. And number one, Cinema tar- Paradiso. Long and an Italian, but worth it for the final payoff that still gets me every time. And it's about the first love and the love of movies. See, she classy. She yeah. classy right there. I discovered the Countdown podcast again during the lockdown of 2020 and started catching up on old episodes because Wayne's laugh never failed to put me in a good mood during the isolation. <laughs> Though my tastes definitely run closer to Paul's, so the combination of you both is gold. And the conversations, humor, soundboard, ha! <laughs> Whoppa! Fuck. Random topics and movie and TV recommendations are always engaging. And after moving to India for work in January 2021, wow. it's always felt like listening to and laughing with friends when I get lonely and so far from home. You know, funny you should mention that. Um, a friend of ours who I don't see that often, we don't see that often, Alejandro, who's been on the show before, mm-hmm. said that because he's kept listening to the show, it doesn't feel like it's been a long time since we yeah, spoke. that last week. You're so, right. So, you know. And I enjoy reading posts from our listeners and appreciate you guys reading out some of our comments. It really connects us all. Cheers. Very nice. Thank you for that. Laurie, my number six film is a film which changed the way that I thought about the world to some extent, which is mm. about as big a thing as you can ask for from a wow. film. It's called The Matrix. And I know that subsequent films have arguably sullied a little bit of... uh, Not to me, but I understand why people kind of take it out of the conversation because of those subsequent films. But the Wachowski siblings, or sisters now, Lily and Lana, coming together to make you think about the world that you live in. Like, is it real? What What is reality and what is not? That alone is such a fascinating concept. But then to house it in what is ostensibly a sci-fi action film? Mm. Incredible. No, that's the real thing here. Because I guess the idea that we're all living in a simulation wasn't necessarily the newest idea. However, to put it in a way like this, where you actually have the construct, and hey, everyone, by the way, you're plugged in in some fucking underground cavern somewhere, but you think that the world that you know is actually the world you know. And making it so cool that everyone had guns and shit and cool clothes and made Neo the one. The whole idea itself is amazing. Go into this into this construct, into this... Well, it's not really a simulation. They call it something else, but this online world, and you see yourself as you want yourself to be. So, you know, in their world, everyone is running around these sort of fetishy, leathery kind yeah. of PVC. No, shit, but that was the cool thing and about it: rocking guns and whatever else, and stylized hair, and and then to cast Keanu Reeves, noted not great actor, but mm-hmm. awesome human being, yes. as a kind of clueless guy who's learning. Whoa! About in fact, why don't we just hear from the man himself? Why? Whoa, 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 hold on. Shut up. <laughs> How perfect. What a perfect cast, bit of casting for him. Lawrence Fishburne's awesome. Carrie Ann Moss is awesome. Everyone, Joey Pants is awesome. Everybody's awesome in this movie. Had you ever heard of Carrie Ann Moss before this film? Yes, but I can't think of what Not it was. Me. Off I was top like, of my head. oh, she's gorgeous, but I have no idea who she is. What a great cast, awesome action, some of the most incredible use of camera work. Yeah, that sort of. What do they call it? A uh, bullet time. It, yeah, it's bullet which time. Which then is what we got for the next 12 or 15 years, non-fucking stop. But this is where it was done first. So. I don't think there's ever been a development in cinema that became so iconic as that. Like every film that year or every for subsequent film, years for actually sure. had one of those Tried things to. in it. Yep. And the only Including time it was... Bowl in House of the Dead. Did he do that? <laughs> yeah. God. But they, they invented the technology, Paul. That's the fucking mm-hmm. thing right there. And remember uh, Swordfish with the, yep. the opening? That was that as well. And that was as well as I'd seen it done outside of The Matrix. But it's amazing stuff. So, yeah, nice work. My number six, The Matrix. Brilliant. Jay Talbot has number three. His 
first or favourite film of all time, I should say. A Simple Plan. Hmm. Number two, Shotgun Stories, a film I've never heard of. And number one, Fallen. Oh, Denzel. Denzel, yeah. Time is on my side. Yes, better movies out there, but too obvious and on lots of lists. Thank you guys so much for all your work and not just giving up instead of taking a new direction. I'm with you no matter what. I'm Jazzer on Letterboxd, just down the road from Paul and Wayne. Boom. And that was a quick one. So another quick one. John Amento from the Pilot Comics Podcast. Thank you, John, for your support of the show. Simply put, you guys are not only my favorite show, but also, in my opinion, the best. The hour plus I get to listen to you guys weekly is like hanging out with good friends, yet we have never met in person, and you two live on the other side of the earth. Many a bad day has been made tolerable, thanks to you two. Thank you for that. Here's three. Back to the Future. Alien at number two. And number one, Jaws. Mm. So, there you go. Love that. Love that we're friends hanging out, because that's what we do here. That is it. What's your number five, Wayne? Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really? Five. Okay, here's Woo! why. Everyone, there's no James. Ballsy. Stupid, but ballsy. There's no James Bond on my list. All right? Even though I Well, that's because, James as your Bond. mama said, <laughs> I'm not you're him. You're not James exactly. Bond. Exactly. <laughs> but this here, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, is, to my mind, this moment, this second that I'm talking to you until I think of another one, it's the best action spy thriller I've ever seen. Okay. Um, until I think of another one. <laughs> Telling you, man. Like I've thought about it for a bit, but as impressive as the MCU movie catalog is, I'm a lover. Everyone, everyone's like, I'm not Martin Scorsese. I love the MCU mostly. This movie is not like the rest of them, and I'll tell you why. One, it's a tonal departure from the previous MCU movies because they were definitely getting into that. Everyone says, oh, they all end the same. They've all got the same thing. I put to you, this movie doesn't do that. It's a new generic territory where. You've got these stoic elements where, for example, Steve forms long-lasting relationships that are founded on love and loyalty, not superheroic duty. He actually is always throwing in on with Bucky because it's his friend and he just hasn't got an option to do that, mm -hmm. uh, to, to not do that. And he does it in the, the subsequent movie Civil War as well. But other than that, the action sequences in this, yes, the nice flip, which I shit my pants at all the time, is in fact probably the most spectacular <laughs> shit I've ever seen. And in the final moment, Steve actually decides to give up fighting Bucky because he's like, I'm with you till the end of the line. And he just doesn't, just, he doesn't fight. And after the loss of Peggy and all sort of things, Steve can't bear to lose him to someone else he loved because he lost everyone because he's a man out of time. But above all of that shit, this is a PG-13 film that doesn't feel PG-13 at all. And I was just on the edge of my seat the entire time. I was thinking about this. Is this my favorite Marvel film? Probably. Well, is there one hiring a list? No. Answer is therefore yes. Not necessarily. <laughs> it's just the best of all time, what? but not no. the best in the genre of Marvel films. I'm just saying. I don't understand. Yeah, I know. We've never, we've never agreed. I don't get this. On this one. <laughs> Look, it was either There's this. There's a better Marvel film, but it's not on my. It's not horror movie. Yeah, list absolutely. That can happen. That can absolutely happen. <laughs> Look, cocaine it, is a hell of a drug. It could have been. Infinity War. Have you got that? Yeah, no, it's not my list. Okay, so it it could have been that or this one, but this just pipped out because I'm. You know what? This is more specific and it actually achieves slightly more. There you go. Okay. That's my number five, Captain wow. America, the Winter Soldier. Nice to have some uh, curveballs thrown uh -huh. our uh -huh. way. Uh, let's see whether you think any of Andrew Watson's are curveballs. Number three, The Matrix. Number two, Forrest Gump. Oh, yeah. Nice one, Drew. <laughs> no, and, oh, Andrew. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And number one, Kill Bill, I guess, the whole damn thing. Sure. The countdown appeared in my podcast you might like several years ago, and despite ditching all the others I sampled from that list, the opposing personalities and ridiculous back chat kept me coming back for more. <laughs> I love how the community will give each other shit and disagree about stuff like mates at a pub rather than online snowflakes, and I can't help but feel a little bit proud when my comment or top three makes it onto the show. Well, there you are, Andrew. Hope you're feeling a little bit proud today. Thank Boo you bye. for that, sir. My number five, as we head into the top half of my list, is a little film which some say is the greatest Christmas film ever made. 
<laughs> Go ahead. I'm, of course, talking about a Christmas. No, Die Hard. Yeah, boy. Die Hard is arguably one of the great... No, it is one of the greatest films of all time, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. John McTiernan firing all cylinders and then taking Bruce Willis, this bloke from a show named Moonlight, mm-hmm. which had... You used to watch it. I didn't. I barely the shit out of it. Any action beats, right? None. It's a fucking comedy. Right? It's a comedy show. And then go, here, you can be an action star. It's everyday, every man action star. That's what set this one apart. Anyone could be arguably Bruce Willis. No one can be Arnold Schwarzenegger. No one could have been still versus Stallone. Those or Frank Sinatra, who they had to offer this to for contractual reasons. Correct. <laughs> they did, based on this, this book, which I've read, which is garbage. The mm-hmm. book, And then to turn a garbage book into this incredibly thrilling action set piece with so many memorable characters, so many memorable lines, so many awesome action sequences... And built this great advertising campaign. I watched this film three times at the movies. I've seen it countless times. I watch it almost every Christmas. Because it is a Christmas film, folks. Hate to break it to you. <laughs> Die Hard is absolutely phenomenal. And I love the absolute shit out of it. It is my fifth best film of all time. I agree. It's definitely a movie of my childhood as well. When did it come out? 1988. 88, bro. That was the time. Uh, yeah, I love the fact that Bruce Willis was actually becoming a six, uh, like a, a, a believable action star in this, and it made his entire career. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. How many different Bruce Willis and action films did we get for the next, other than the Die Hard sequels, of course, did we get for the next 20 years? Totally. So many. By the way, I'm thinking of um, designing a t-shirt for our merch store, which mm-hmm. says, Nakatomi Plaza 1988 Christmas Party. Like, it's a little thing on I'm thinking about seeing if it works. We'll just, we'll just see how it comes out. Okay. <laughs> Look, it's a side note. I was thinking about it. <laughs> but yes, Die Hard, fantastic stuff. All right, before we hit your number four, this one is from Matt Evans. He's number three, The Goonies. Number two, The Science of the Lambs. And one again, Jaws. Always laugh, movie-wise, Wayne's hidden gems in the 80s and how it's sometimes more about the feeling slash experience. Paul's Always. horror and movie knowledge is impeccable and calling out Wayne out on true turd films. Most of all, how Wayne's deviant nature slash stories has found a little comforting <laughs> space in all our minds, including Paul's. <laughs> Thanks, Matt, for that. Nice one, man. And then Josh Morris said, uh, number three, Jurassic Park. Number two, Alien. Number one, Toy Story. Mm. Which is awesome. Around four years ago, I was moving by myself to Perth. By sheer coincidence, I found your podcast and ears picked up when you mentioned you were also from Perth. Ah. My time here has been some of the best of my life. I got my PR, bought a house, met my partner, and got married. And all I have to say is that a constant through that was your shit podcast. <laughs> Glad it's ending-ish. <laughs> Smiley face. Afterwards. I'm down. Thank you for that, Josh. Nice one, Josh. Uh, okay, uh, my number four is a film that was... I am still pissed that this got stumped by the Oscars and that, frankly, it's a little bit unsung for my liking given what an amazing film it is. It's Road to Perdition. Wow. Yeah, I've Great always... Great film in my top 100, but I can't remember where. Yeah, so this is a Sam Mendes film and it's got uh, Tom Hanks and Paul Newman and Jude Law, Jennifer Jason Lee, Stanley Tucci, and my man Daniel Craig playing the biggest cunt you've ever met. And it's about Mike Sullivan, who's Tom Hanks. He's an enforcer for this powerful Depression-era Midwestern like, mobster, John Rooney. That's Paul Newman. And Rooney's son, Daniel Craig, is jealous of the close bond they have. And long story short, he kills Tom Hanks' family, or wife and son, leaving Tom Hanks with his son to basically go on the road from the mob ostensibly to kill them and they're all scared so they're they're after him he's after them he's hitting their fucking banks and stuff like that grabbing their money doing all sorts of shit it's a it's a road movie but it's a road movie with the most heart i've ever seen and the the badassness of tom hanks as their most like even paul newman's like god help us now he's after us now this one guy's after the entire mob and they're scared it is probably 
uh, one of the most powerful and honestly saddest, but somehow hopeful films I've ever seen. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And the way it's shot, the way it's put together, the way that it just turns out is so like, I don't know, it's satisfying, but because it hits you so hard in the heart, you don't forget it, or at least I never forgot it. So uh, I think Road to Perdition needs to be seen by everyone. It's just this amazing, amazing film. Uh, and that's my number four. Agree. If you haven't seen that film, absolutely worth checking out. Surprise, it's so high on your list, but that's very cool. Well mm. done, sir. Joel's Avarice, then. Number three, Knives Out. Yep, I'm a murder mystery simp. Doc- mm. Number two, Doctor Sleep. Best book to film adaptation I've ever seen and Beck Ferguson's amazing performance. Wow. Yeah, number one, Avengers, Cole and Endgame concluded a, j- a chapter of my Marvel journey that began in year five had everything I wanted. Gee, Charles Young. Yeah, he's young, yeah. man. Awesome. Wow. Thank you, Wayne and Paul, for making such a huge mark on my life. Introduced to the show by my mate, Jesse Dixon. We've quickly grown to love everything about the show, including your Godzilla vs. Kong review. <laughs> the soundboard. I that again. You're killing me, Smalls. Wayne's laugh and Paul's ability to say how shit it is. You guys are giving... Not, I don't think they meant your Wayne's laugh. I meant whatever we were reviewing. Oh, uh, you guys are giving me confidence to share my movie opinions no matter if they contradict the common consensus. I can't wait to hear what comes next for the show from now and well into 2023. Nice one. awesome. Thank you so much for that, Joel. My number four film is another John McTiernan joint. Hmm. So five and four for this same man, which is pretty high praise indeed. Which my auntie it? picked me up. To, it was a surprise. I was being taken to see it. I saw it way too young in 1987. We're only 12 years old. I got taken to see this movie instead of going to football training. I remember it very, very vividly. It's Predator. Of course. Of course, of course, of course. My favourite Arnie film, arguably the greatest action film ever made. Yes, it's got some horror elements in it, but that idea of a group of people being picked off one by one by a superior threat in really entertaining and over-the-top kind of ways. Oh, yes. It's absolutely my jam. Totally. Arnie is the perfect blend of being huge and charismatic here. It's got some genuinely funny one-liners. It's got about 15 different governors in the United States in this cast. <laughs> <laughs> that matters less than just their their camaraderie coming together. And like when Duke is doing the Predator, you know, after one of his mates gets killed and he's yeah, yeah. shaved himself and giving him his lament. With the believe that pouring shit, one out. Yeah. yeah. Like, Cut your name right into it. <laughs> And even the last 30 minutes of this film where it's just Mano v Alien or yes. whatever it is and they're back and forth and fighting. Come on, I'm here. Come on, kill me. That was fucking awesome. This movie. So awesome. Um, even his... I remember playing the Commodore 60 game, 64 game of this just because I love the I movie I remember that so too. Much. Remember that? Yeah. He's jumping in the... Yeah, it was, it was shit, but it was good. The, because of the affection for, the, for this film. Absolutely, because the film itself is is amazing and... Now, Predator 2, everyone hates but me. Is that the thing? I don't think everyone hates it. I just don't think anyone thinks it's got to, it holds a candle to this it, one. It probably doesn't, but it was a, a different direction. But this this film here, I believe, Arnold Schwarzenegger was, at his time, one of the more the, the truest reflection of a movie star. Maybe less so in Predator and a bit later in his career and then whatever. But for this Austrian dude who can barely speak English to be such a force, and then you put him in a show like this where it's absolutely perfect for him. Uh, because he's a marine, it was, it was, yeah, it was well, special, special missions command, special forces commando, his yeah, commander, commander, yeah. whatever, yeah. But like he's, I mean, by all, by all accounts of the production of this thing, it shouldn't have been this good. Like they had such massive problems with the Van Dam and all that sort of crap. Uh, but it was amazing, and I do remember how I had a poster, I had a ninety poster of Predator in my room when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't you? What, yeah. what a film. Dad and thought I was gay. <laughs> so. <laughs> 
you can love Arnie. You can love any man that way. Absolutely. And, uh, and uh, gay or not, doesn't matter. But uh, <laughs> back in the day, I get it. Well, that was a little gay for him, to be fair. So go ahead. <laughs> I, think, I guess I had Sharon Stone on my wall, Catherine Tramiel. Yeah, see, it's not the same thing. <laughs> but I probably had a Predator poster on my wall. Can't remember, to be honest. It was cool. Yeah. All right. That's my number four, then. let's Before we hear your number three, Wayne, let's hear from Jake Humphrey. Now, this one, he's written an ode to the... To, it's called An Ode to a Revival. It's a poem. Wow. But he first of all gives his three, Old Boy, the original Korean, number two, The Thing, and number one, Whiplash. Ah, is his favorite from cool. all time. Here is Ode to Revival. The truth is, I didn't think this day would come, though it's been talked of for many weeks. Now, in this moment, I'm feeling struck dumb, like a mountain climber, beholding uncharted peaks. I don't know what the future may hold, and though this path has ended, I feel we're on the cusp of stories untold and memories both broken and mended. Mm. For me, it started a fair way back with a show about unhappy endings, and though funds are something I seem to lack, my love has always been sending. I've been hearing Paul <laughs> be a pretentious git with his beautiful 4K TV. <laughs> He's the voice of reason. He knows his shit and his passion has enriched me. Mm. Wayne is, well, Wayne. That's all you can say. Mm. His kink and delirium exudes, but his honesty and open heart shine the way to a man that contains multitudes. Oh, wow. This guy's good. Though this may be the end of things we know and an age is soon to pass, it's good to see our family grow even with all Wayne's talk of us. Yes! <laughs> And I write these words with a tear in my eye, and though the future is uncertain, I'm glad I could watch you both learn to fly and be part of closing this curtain, which is pretty God fucking damn. amazing. Well done. Uh, good skills. Yeah. Jake, you need to take up another career if you haven't already. Seriously, love you guys. No matter how things go, this is the best podcast on the planet. All, un- all others, number two or lower. <laughs> See you on the other side, gentlemen. Nice well, fly. That's pretty amazing. That's amazing. Pretty amazing. All right, wait, watch number three. Uh, from one Arnie film to another, Paul. Ooh. And see, now you like Predator for it's the way, like, you know, it's like a perfect role for Arnie. I find this a more perfect role, True Lies. Okay. True Lies. It's a spy film, everyone. Yes, a spy thriller, but it is, for my money, the only spy thriller that put enough comedy, enough entertainment, enough spectacle, enough charm, and all of the things that became this perfect storm of, oh my God, I felt like they made this movie for me. Now, Paul and I saw this, and everyone saw it, in 2003 is when it came out. And what? No. Yeah. True Lies. Try 1994-ish. Shit, 1994. <laughs> the release date for streaming was 2003. <laughs> I'm reading this. That 94. also was a clip from, a, from the film. Yeah, yeah, very apt, but still fuck off. Um, so, I mean, Arnie's secretly a spy. His wife is Jamie Lee Curtis. It's a whole thing. You guys know what it is. But when it came out, James Cameron did this. And this is where I see, this is where I think to myself, this is why I don't ever count out James Cameron. Because even though he's doing 400 Avatar films now... Do you know... Have you seen the... I've seen a couple of reports now basically <laughs> saying this film costs so much money to make. It Avatar? needs to be like the fourth highest grossing film of all time <sighs> to be a success. I heard him talking about it on... Like, How can this. that be true? Well, here's what... Because apparently he... Uh, I think he's doing three more, right? Well, I think maybe he's cut it back now. Maybe there was a sort of acknowledgement there'll be only it's two be four more. Two. What happened was he... I heard him talking about it where he said, oh, I wrote all three and we're filming all three at the same... Or, or I was going to do two, or I was gonna, but I found out that the first movie had to be two movies. So it's one of those things that pushes out to three, four movies or whatever, right? I believe this might be the one... The, we are in the age of where people who you once relied on might fuck it up. Um, Elon Musk, <laughs> for example, has always been successful and then this Twitter thing happened. Cameron's about to depalmer? I don't, look, I don't think he's started a diploma, but he's done nothing for the last, well, I want to say 10 years he's done nothing. Well, he's been working on other shit. but Right, but this thing this, here is the, yeah. the culmination of all of that. This is a lot of chips on the table mm. for this thing here. And if what you say is remotely true, 
The fuck is stacked against him like a motherfucker. Especially in this COVID Streaming world. environment, exactly, yeah. right? So I don't know how that's going to go. But for True Lies, when he came out with this thing, and he had Arnold being this... It's the first time I found him handsome. Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I always thought he was beefcake and rough. That's because he was wearing a bloody white tuxedo jacket. He's a handsome... You can't he was, help yourself. He, I was. I wanted to come on that. But he... <laughs> <laughs> what, the, what the hell? When you no! put in all of no! the fucking like no! the Bill Paxton stuff in here, where he's being Bill Paxton, that gets him wet. Am I right? <laughs> I got a little dick, man. It's pathetic. Uh, you know all that shit as well, and even the Jamie Lee. Everything about this film, you're on the edge of your seat, and you're entertained and laughing at the same time. If she drops an Uzi down the steps and it kills 20 <laughs> terrorists, and I then laugh instead of go fuck off, then he's done something yeah, right. Yeah, found the, so, right, the right balance. On absolutely. It. So True Lies is my number three, ladies and gentlemen. Right. Very nice. Matt Rochelle said uh, number three, The Godfather. Number two, Aliens. Number one, Jaws. Jaws coming up a lot of people's I, I had assumed it would be on your list. Sorry, didn't make the, didn't make the cut. Mm-hmm. You guys are so fun to listen to. Your podcast theme is movies and friendship. I would love to have a pint or two with you both. I'm in the States and yesterday my niece told us she was going to Australia for an international semester to Lisbon. I told her that I have two friends in Perth. Ah, Lisbon. Wow. Uh, Adam Cracknell said number three, <laughs> brackets number seven, saving Private Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> number two, Empire Strikes Back. And number one, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Would pick the trilogy, but that would be cheating. Found you guys in the soundboard, Vindication, nearly five years ago, and you've helped me through daily life ever since with the constantly awesome and hilarious content. Looking forward to continuing seeing and listening to the show progress. Can't thank you enough. Nice one. My number three then, as we continue this to the very, very scaly heights, my number three is The Thing. I was wondering where it would turn up. greatest horror film of all time, bar none. The best special effects, practical effects, I think ever put into a film, arguably bar none. And the most thrilling slash edge of your seat kind of, oh my God, the dawning horror of this organism that doesn't just kill you, evades you, it takes over your body and you are gone and dead and just walks around with all your knowledge and everything else stored inside and can be a perfect facsimile copy of you. Mm. is terrifying beyond belief. It's worse than death as far as I'm concerned. It's skin crawl material and then Rob Bottin working with John Carpenter to create these creatures which are just unbelievable to, to look at. Even 40 years later, this shit holds up. I, I, I admit, uh, this is like an insanely amazing film despite being a horror. And the fact that it's like a like a genetic science-based horror rather than some paranormal thing mm. makes me like it a lot more. Yeah, alien. And, and then Kurt Russell being incredibly, as he always is, and was around this time of his career, cool as RJ McCready. And then we don't worry about little things like annoying love stories to to pad out this runtime. It's mm. 109 minutes. And again, I would argue there's a theme to my list. There's not that many really long films on my list. Every scene is necessary. Every thing that happens in this film needed to be put on screen. You could not cut a scene in this film and it would be better. All it. killer, no filler. Yeah. The, the thing is perfection. Um, Barring one effect towards the end where it's very sort of stop motiony, but that's because Rob Bottin was in hospital and had worked himself to the bone and almost killed himself at 22, I think, years of age. Really? Mm. I know there's been a cartoon sequel to this, as in on a comic, in a comic, in a Dark Horse comic. There's been a comic. There's also been an actual prequel film called The Thing in 2012. Prequel? Yep. So do you With think... your favourite, I believe, Mary Elizabeth Winstead in it. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. Was it any good? Did you see it? No, it's all right. Okay. Did you... There's nothing on this film, of course. Let me ask you this. In your f- opinion as a fan, did they make it out? Did they, the last two guys no, make it out? they did. They did, right? Yep. They just sat there for a while until the cold got to yep. them. Or and, and if one of them was the thing, it was Child's, based on 
Is it Dean Cundy who shot this one? I should know by now. Having said four billion trillion times. Did Kurt still have the flamethrower on him yeah. when they met? Do you remember? No. I can't remember. The point is he could have... Well, he says, look, if we got any surprises for each other, I think either is in any condition doing anything about it. Because they're all fucked up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Damn. it's a perfect nihilistic ending to a perfectly nihilistic horror film. But wouldn't that, wouldn't, a, wouldn't that sequel where Kurt Russell now as his old self just turns up Harrison Ford style no. in Blade Runner. You know, yeah, well, you think it would for forty years in the Antarctic, in the Arctic, I should say. Uh, I think the plot would have to be that there's some reason why he. No, you don't even set it in the Antarctic anymore. The new one Arctic, is like yeah. it's something else. Yeah. So who knows? Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, whatever. We just want more movies. Fair enough. My number two, Paul. Hit me up before we get there. Wesley Younger from the Via VHS or Via VHS podcast. Number three, Gladiator. You know, I had to say it. Number two, Goodfellas. Number one, Back to the Future. I've always looked up to you guys. One of the first movie podcasts I've listened to and I immediately decided I wanted to capture some of the magic the countdown has with my show. The thing is, the magic you guys make on the podcast is very unique and can never be duplicated. I love the camaraderie, the chemistry of the show and both of you dickheads. Please continue to do dope ass shit. My man. That's awesome. Thank you very much for that, Wes. All right. Take us away, Ryan. Number two. Okay, number two. Not a huge surprise to anyone who knows me. It is The Dark Knight. Yes. It is The Dark Knight. Um, Now, when it came out... Um, I think the reason this is so high on my list is that I know it was considered by many to be the best movie ever made. And for that to be a Batman movie for a Batman freak like myself, one, massively validating. Two, Mm. I'm amazed that it could happen. And I think to myself, probably I think the reason that emotionally this comes to the number two on my list is that I remember at the time this came out, which was 2008. Uh, my then girlfriend was just going through a rough time and something that we always had is that we enjoyed good art together. Uh, movies, whatever, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we had, I had booked um, this whole thing where I was like, oh, let's get, we couldn't make the premiere of the film but we could make this particular gold class session where I was going to make a big night of it. She had basically been depressed for a week and I, w- I made this decision to go, fuck it, I'm just going to bring her to the movie early because I thought it might cheer her up. So I booked another it was hard to get into this film because everyone wanted to see yeah, it. Yeah, it was a big thing. I had to book another session, which was before the big date session. I said, listen, if you're upset tonight, let's just go out and see this movie now. I know you want to see it. And she goes, yeah, let's do it. We went out to see it at the Astor. This is where they played it. And we were so blown away that halfway through, I think it was the actual, when Heath Ledger comes in with this, <laughs> that's how he introduces the Joker. He's giggling through or chuckling through the scene. I just went to her and said, can you believe you just saw that? She goes, that's the best performance I've ever seen that someone did. And it was amazing. And at the end of that film, it cheered her up. It actually made the whole night different. And I think that's the thing about art. Art can... Jesus. What the fuck was that? It was your sword falling over. Okay. That's right. Wayne has a sword, ladies and gentlemen, in in our studio. (laughs) Why do you think I have to speed through your feedback normally? (laughs) (laughs) That was was really stepping on a nice point. But my point that I was going to make was that really good art doesn't just change your night and your mood. It can change your fucking life. And this is a really stellar example of that for me, where I think that something I really wanted to be an amazing event turned out to be an amazing event. And it made someone I was impo- you know, that was important to me happy yep. at the time. Yep. And that's what art does for me. It makes me happy. Yeah, when your expectations are sky high and they're met. It's so hardly ever happens. Rare, yeah. So rare. So yeah, The Dark Knight is the dark night for me, everyone. That's the, my number two best movie of all time. Very good choice. And of course, I suspect it was going to be a list. I kind of thought it was going to be number one. So now I'm, I'm oh no, I, I remember what your number one is. Do you? If it's not on there, it's changed. From the, I can't the, remember either. So, yeah. But before we get there, John Islander, his three. And he, give, he gave a long 
and well, very well written explanation for each, but obviously we can't go through it all. Number three, Casablanca, mm. so the oldest Classical. film I think we've heard so far. Number two, Terminator 2. Mm. And number one, Evil Dead 2, which is pretty fucking phenomenal as far as I'm concerned. Wow. He said, what does the pod mean to me? Well, this pod and community is very much like one of the top ten shows mentioned. Like what? Yeah, this is a virtual, decent virtual cheers gang. I'm not saying who is who, but it's just a bunch of friends having fun about stuff that seems trivial but ties people together. I'm Norm. I'll add this: I was in the pot a while, a lot as a distraction slash comfort when my mother was in her last days from cancer. Mm. And for that, I will subscribe. I will finally patronize a pod. Should have done some time ago. And there we have it. Look, that's really touching to say that you yeah, listen to us to try and get you through that period. Very sorry for your loss, John, and thank you for sharing that with us. Definitely, Mina Harker, or AKA Dan. Top three, <laughs> my three is either Malignant or The French Dispatch. Number two, Hot Fuzz again. Number one, The LA Confidential. Ah, oh, that was a late scratching from mine. I love yeah, that film. The Dential is a great film. So I discovered this pot around episode 100, and it doesn't take me long to plough through, didn't take me long to plough through the back catalogue, and it's become appointment listening ever since, except for the one episode that turned my stomach at number seven. Ice never going to, never gotten back to. I've never gotten back to. Most disturbing scenes, I think. Oh yeah. I found binge movies because of Paul going over there and many others. I still haven't figured out how to listen to them all. For those who aren't on Twitter, summer 2021, I hit a low point, broke down, wiped my socials and cut off my friends. But I never stopped listening. Wow. Through all the shit and the times I couldn't be bothered to get out of bed and the scars that I have just because physical pain was preferable to emotions, I never stopped listening. This pod always gave me at least a moment where I didn't have to worry about anything else and just enjoy the show. I since graduated therapy and am the happiest I've been since I was seven. But I'll always remember that every Tuesday my day became a lot less shitty. Holy shit, dude. Which is awesome that you would feel able to share that with this community Amazing. and this podcast, Dan. And I'm so glad that you are in a good place and doing really well for yourself. Thank you Damn so much right, for buddy. that. My number two is a film that has been mentioned several times by listeners because we have such good folk and with such wonderful taste in our community. It's Aliens. Yeah. The greatest, Here it comes. to my mind, sequel of all time. Alien is an incredible film. I was just talking to my daughter about it the other day. She's just starting to come into like, oh, maybe I can watch. She can't watch Alien, bro. Not yet, not yet. Not at nine and a half, but a couple yeah. of years from now, I reckon we're going yeah. to go down that particular road. We 12? Watch. Yeah, I think that's fine. Fuck. I, I would have watched Aliens before I was 12. Therefore, I watched Alien before that. We don't want her to turn like you. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. Wow. But Aliens took that brilliant form of this haunted house in space. And that's a pure horror film. The first, It's a sci-fi horror film, but it's a sure. horror film. Sure. This one is more an action film. This one's more a thriller with huge action. Action, sci-fi, beats. horror, would you say? I or is it not horror? I, don't, I mean, the horror is creatures action, that are trying to kill you. But I think it's more a sci-fi action thriller yeah, okay. with horror elements to yes, it. Yes, okay. Yep, it's yep. much more widespread appeal in this film. Although it's a long film, it's two and a half hours long before you even get to the special edition. This is another film which arguably, other than Ripley looking for Newt towards the end of the film, which probably that could have been cut back a little bit. Everything else about this film, other than the very last part of the film where you have to suspend your disbelief that the entire vacuum of space didn't suck all the air out and everyone died. If you can put that to one side. I had no problem with it when it happened. But that's reality. I know. You can't get a, you gotta let that go. They're the only two faults I can make in this film. And uh, what I would say is a little bit of uh, blue screening in the background when they're flying down to LV426. Otherwise. Jeez, what a movie. James Cameron, as you've already said. James Cameron. What a filmmaker. And as much as he's a big dickhead and absolutely loves himself, I guess he's earned it. If you are as good as that, you've made two of the top three most biggest grossing films of all time and made this film. And to my mind, sorry, controversy, we're being right up front here. Mm. A better film than Ridley Scott made with Alien. I mean, you can do yeah. whatever they want for the rest of your life. I'll go and see The Way of Water. I probably won't love it, but I'm going to give it a shot. 
Dude, did you know that James Cameron was never trained as a filmmaker? He How awesome is that? He didn't go. He was Self, a truck driver. Self-made. Absolutely, truck driver who just through sheer force of will. Started making Terminator. He was talking about like how the the, the British set didn't like him and yeah, Terminator. Yeah. So that's well documented. It's really like um. So it's amazing that he just did it. That gives us hope to us all, really. And you can't talk about aliens without talking about Sigourney Weaver, who was good in the first film and obviously was a survivor. But this is the film I think that elevated her into being the all-time classic actress that she is. Well, you now. know, she wasn't signed for this film. The, the studio told James Cameron, they said, hey, we've got her, don't worry about it, go write the film. He writes the film over a year, and then he comes back and goes, you know, we didn't actually get that, th- that we thought we had a two-picture deal with her or something, so you're going to have to go sell this to her. <laughs> so he had to go fly out and just say, I'm so sorry. If, if she had said no, no aliens, because it's all about Wow. Her. Right? What a shitty world we would live in if she had said no. I know. Shittier she, world. Yeah, luckily she loved it and said, no, I'm in. Of course, so how could you not love this film? I know, right? You know, the themes of, of motherhood and, and mm. Newt, and Newt arguably being one of the least annoying kid characters of all time. And yeah. Carrie Henn goes on to do nothing else, which is a shame, but I understand why her parents wouldn't want her to have to go She was at the that. last Comic Con. Yeah, I did yeah, hear about that recently. Yeah. Aliens is just phenomenal. And then the support characters, the Bill Paxtons, and the Gormans and the Vasquezes. And of course, I've interviewed Vasquez on the show. Yes, Paul at, at a particular point. So, Jeanette Goldstein. Oh, they're so memorable. And that's what made this film stand out from, and Predator as well, I think. The, the memorable supported characters who you give a shit about most of them, if not all of them. And I think modern filmmaking has forgotten that. You need to spend just enough to build up these other people too so that you give a shit when they get bumped off or disappear from the narrative. I think that was something James Cameron also said. He said, well, when I assembled that group of characters on the page, I felt comfortable and confident that you would love that team of people as a viewer. You would love, not necessarily hang out with them, but you believe Hicks. them. Hicks, man. Hicks. Michael Beans, greatest role ever. Oh, what, yeah. what a guy. Yeah. What a character. And, and I'm still devo to this day that what they, they what, killed him off in yeah, three it, even though i still fucking forgive this franchise my love for these first two films is so much i still will go into every single alien film thinking this is going to be great yet i've been burnt so many times before that's how good this film is and that's why it's my number two thinking like a studio exec for one second is there a film where hicks and ripley well you go in a different direction why can't you reboot it yeah, reboot it. Just reboot it from like... Yeah, yeah, reboot it. Uh, uh, yeah, Sigourney Weaver now, I'm not sure how old exactly she is, but she that'd be hard to pull off a really action-heavy one. Only James Cameron could probably do it. Mm. <laughs> if he wasn't and, busy and he, with this other he's shit. He's locked up for the next however many years doing Avatar shit. No, he's so. done. He's done. All right, before we run back through our list and then reveal our favourite film of all time, then Daniel Lowe is who I've got next cab off the ranks. Said, found you guys. So I just moved to the US. No friends and found myself struggling to adjust. You guys would always make me laugh. When I'd be strolling around a scary new city. Cheers for that, guys. Nice. And then uh, David Powell, top-level patient of the show, and, of course, Facebook listener community moderator said, number three with Nell and I. (laughs) 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 That's his jam. That's his jam. Love you, David. Number two, Fight Club. And number one, The Exorcist. Nice. First mention of that. It's too late. I'm too tired to be sufficiently eloquent about what the show and community mean to me. I've told you guys multiple times in the past anyway. I wasn't here for episode one, but wasn't too far behind, and I will be here until you hang up the cans the last time. I've made so many friends for this show and, frankly, interact more regularly with this community than I do with any other friends or family. Lol. <laughs> nice one, DP. All right, Wayne, give us your 10 through two and then reveal your number one because I am intrigued. Yeah, okay. 10 was uh, The Professional, 9, The Usual Suspects, 8, The Empire Strikes Back, 7, Basic Instinct, 5, Captain America, did I get a skip one? Six, Ghostbusters. <laughs> Five, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Four, Road to Perdition. Three, True Lies. Two, The Dark Knight. And my number one is 
Inception. Oh, not the one I thought. What it did was. you think it was? Jerry Maguire. <laughs> no, um, Jerry Maguire was of a different time, and I was a different man. Okay, you've, you've gone on record. I guess maybe it was fifteen years ago. Yeah. So that's your favorite film. So clearly, things have evolved. Inception, Absolutely, it has. Inception is my number eleven, literally. So is it well played too? Well, see, here's the thing about Inception, everyone. I was trying to think about this and I'm like, what is it? And finally I settled on, no, it's Inception. I'll tell you why. Because cinematically, I think it's the highest achievement I can think of. When you have a film that is, mm-hmm. okay, so it's a spice world, so my favorite genre, fine. Clearly. Right? <laughs> if, if you've not been paying attention, check out Lone's <laughs> Top 5. But like, um, you know, this, again, this is another reason there's no Bond movie on this. Because this is Christopher Nolan's Bond film, yep. close enough, right? Because instead of a secret British secret agent, we get this freelance corporate dream thief, and that's Christopher Nolan's magic. He will always put some left field shit in there and make you believe it. And I think that this film asks so much of you as an audience and delivers in a not Tenet E way. Because Tenet it tries the same thing and fails. This film here, when I watch it again, I forget how good it is. I forget how cool the opening dream sequence is where, you know, he's shooting people yeah. and catching the fucking round. All of this shit is amazing. And then by the time you're in that last level of the film, the mm-hmm. last act, I guess, you're so deep, seven dreams deep, that the actual movie feels like you're in a dream. Because <laughs> all of a sudden he's in this crashing waves and this thing. and It Ooh. feels like you're stuck in the movie, which is the maybe the highest calling of a, of a director where he makes you... He's, you're now in the movie and you can't get out just like Leo. So you're a bit going like, what? No. Very much so, except not in a lame way. But <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, this film here is, to my mind, the greatest cinematic achievement ever. Well, I fucking love this movie. It's another five star for me. Just, mm. just didn't crack my top get ten. It, but, but, you know, when you're talking about, you're splitting hairs, really. Dude, any of my honorable mentions after this could probably be in this list quite easily. Yeah, on, a, on the right day, as some people have said, or, or a different day, some of these other things, which I will mention as we get to honorable mentions, might have cracked this top ten. Totally. But uh, here's where they, where they landed for me. So great choice there to wrap up your number one before we reveal mine. Let's go to Connell Tobin McNeils, who said, number three, Jaws, again mentioned. Number two, Good Will Hunting. Number one, Gladiator is his favorite film of all time. Nice. Just so happy that we've created this little family. Just truly thankful for Paul and Wayne and all the joy you brought us. Love you guys. Thank you so much for all that, Connell. That's awesome. Charles Gretsch had number three, The Untouchables. Nice. Mentioned there. Number two, Crow. And number one, Rocky. The countdown has meant the world to me. I've listened to every episode. It's been something I've looked forward to on a weekly basis for a long time. I'm having a bad week. You guys were the highlight of it. Being a movie nerd, I found... I felt like I found a community of friends where I fit in. Thanks, guys, for the joy and happiness you've brought us all. Thanks. And I should mention that Colonel sent me and Paul a, uh, a DM during the week. Very oh, uh, long. He? Yeah, yeah. It was like a really long, wonderful kind of like missive about how he likes the show as well, which was oh, great. It's very, I... very long, but like it's so, so nice. That's okay. I did not see that until now. So sorry for that, Colonel. I'll read that later. Probably not live on air because, yeah, that would be too much. But um, thank you for, for that. Congratulations on all the hockey action. You'll see when you read okay, it. I'll see what <laughs> All right, my number 10, Shaun of the Dead. Nine, Mad Max, Colin, Fury Road. Eight, Saving Private Ryan. Seven, Reservoir Dogs. Six, The Matrix. Five, Die Hard. Four, Predator. Three, The Thing. Two, Aliens. And of course, if you've been playing along at home, that therefore means my number one film of all time is Basic Instinct. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> no, I, didn't, I honestly didn't think you'd go this way. I'm really glad you did, though. I'm being honest. Like what, The story I wanted to tell is this. I, I said, with tell me, tell said, me, tell me. Picture it. Sicily. 1992. 92, baby. We graduated We're too too young. We haven't... We're not allowed to go and see this film because it's rated R in Australia. That means you can't get into the film when you are 18 years of age. Underage. 
Yeah. When you're under 18. Sorry, you have to be 18. To get and we were 17. And we were. And Wayne tried to get in there with, I think, Richard. And was it someone else? Adam. And Adam, you three tried to sneak in. No, Paul had seen it already because he snuck in. All right? <laughs> and he got in and he was in. like, and he was swinging his balls at Wayne. to the show with Steve. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we snuck in there, managed to get away with it. We bought tickets for Wayne's World and went into Basic Instinct instead. Yes. And sat there and that added to it all. So we're where Are we you kidding me? We're it's the we shit. We shouldn't be. There's a bunch of people watching this film around us and the first scene is the first scene of this film and I'm just like, oh my God. I know. And it just gets better and better from there. And I come out of that just going, oh, that is the best experience. It is the best cinematic experience I've ever had in my life. And he's bragging to us about it. Yeah. We're like, oh my God. <laughs> so here's what happened, everyone. Fucking and Richard. It's even better because of what happens next. Yes. So fucking Richard, right? <laughs> fucking prick. He's like, yo, man, we're going to see this. We're going to try and sneak in. Turn up at the cinema at whatever time. He said 1.30 or something, right? Anyway, something fucked up the time. I turned up at 1.30, but these cocksmokers who were all fucking with, like, together, they turned up earlier, and it turns out he got the time wrong, and the movie started earlier. So when I got there, Richard had to run out and say, dude, the time's wrong. It's actually starting now. I'm like, fuck. And I'm like, so go, and I was like, oh, what movie did you guys... I said out loud, what movie did you guys buy? Because <laughs> you obviously had to buy tickets for different movies so you could sneak into that one. I don't know, pick one. I'm like, oh, okay, this one. And, and then... Obviously, the fucking the, the, the attendant behind it was like, "You're mocking me." Aren't yeah, you? they're just like, "Oh, these motherfuckers trying to fucking you know sneak in." So I bought a ticket to whatever it was. We get in there. I fucking think I'm fucking James Bond. I'm not, right? <laughs> As your mama's told you, exactly. And we, me and Richard, had to go into the bacon sink screening and sat there. Now, before the movie starts, a fucking usher <laughs> girl, which is even more embarrassing when you're a seventeen year old dickhead, right, walks in and goes, "Can I see your tickets?" <laughs> And we're like, uh, I lost my tickets. She's like, okay, you're clearly underage. I suggest you leave, is what she said. Uh-huh. And they all had to go out. And then Adam's blaming me. You know, we fucked up because of you. If you hadn't come in late. I'm like, well, we fucked up because of Richard. Cause and that, that's the whole sister. <laughs> Long story short, Paul got to see it. We didn't get to see it. And that was the best shit ever. Oh, yeah, months. yeah. Trust me, that was great. And, uh, you know, there you are. So there you are. Petty man that I am. That elevates what might have if been I was in your number position, seven film into number one. I'd have been exactly <laughs> the same way. I'm like, haha, you dumb fucks. <laughs> But also that whole thrill of getting away with seeing something like that when you shouldn't Absolutely. have. Absolutely. So, yeah. There it is. Basic Instinct is mine. Before we reveal our, our honorable mentions, here's a couple more. For Warren and Leo, too hard to figure out the movies, but I was introduced to the show through the recommendation of Troy Spinner. You've been one of the greatest sources of entertainment and love the chemistry between you and Wayne. Countless hours of fun, especially when I'm chatting to my mates who I've introduced to the pod. Here's another 400, which is pretty lovely. Brilliant. Well. Thanks, bro. Ben Burnham said, Ghostbusters number three. There you are, Wayne. What up? Number two, The Big Lebowski. Number one. Never heard of this film. The Train from 1964. Stunning cinematography, great story and acting, and a connection to me, Da, a connoisseur of trains and train movies. Damn. All right. Great show, gentlemen. I spend most of my day outside and learning this help get me through the work day. The show is something to look forward to, laugh with, or get exasperated at. And as a fellow movie lover, it gives me plenty to think about. Ah, excellent. Brilliant. All right, Wayne, give us your honorable mentions, sir. All right. Uh, of the ones that haven't been mentioned yet... Uh Spider-Man uh, Into the Spider-Verse almost made my list. Um, mm, yeah, it's a good pick. Fight Club. Mm -hmm. I was big about Fight Club. I toyed with putting Point Break in and I did not. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, so, a guy I had a couple of beers with yesterday, he said that's his favorite film of all time. No, it might be one of my, it's definitely one of my favorites, but it's not the best film of all time. Uh, the Untouchables, nice. Baby Driver, The Game, Goodfellas, Disclosure, Paul. Ooh, Disclosure. Wow. I know, I love it. Of course, The Social Network. And uh, let's just say Whiplash. Very nice. Mine, meant, as mentioned, Inception and Goodfellas also on my list. Usual Suspects as well. And then the two that you haven't mentioned that are on my top 15, Brain Dead, aka Dead Alive, and 1917. Uh, so 
brain dead, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking rocks. Rocks the socks off. All right, well, look, we do have a few left to, to wrap it up. So I'm going to head over to the pop 10 to do so and finish up this final episode of this show and then reveal what we're going to do for episode 401. Booyah. Talk about pop 10. Talk about pop 10. It off with Jonathan, kicking off, continue with Jonathan Lamb, number 12, three, 12 Angry Men, <laughs> number two, Chung King Express. Wow. Oh. And number one, Parasite, a masterpiece that perfectly blends multiple genres that serves as a funny, scary, heartbreaking, and scathing social commentary. Mm. So I just want to thank you guys for bringing me so much joy each week since I discovered your show about four years ago. You guys are and will always be one of my favorite shows. Listening to you is like listening to a couple of my best mates bicker and joke, and I feel right at home with those ass and dick jokes. Looking forward to the next phase of the show. You won't be disappointed. <laughs> Nick Orton <laughs> said number three, The Thing, number two, Alien, number one, again, Jaws. I think we have a clear favourite overall. Mm. Jaws. After my name was mentioned on the pod, my kids thought I was famous, which was cool <laughs> for a short time. <laughs> it's a great escape to hear two mates having such fun doing something they love, and occasionally I learnt something too. Looking forward to the next 399, and he said, top 10 Darth players of the 1980s, please. <laughs> Darth players? <laughs> On that note, <laughs> on that note, I mean, feel free to suggest things, folks, because yeah. this is a new thing for us, so we're not quite sure what you want yet, and it's going to be a little back and forth. Experimental. Exactly. Experimental as anything. Uh, Mary Clement Hill said, most of her films are from the 30s, 50s, so she went, more modern, Jaws, Ray's Lost Ark, and Pulp Fiction are her choices, and she said, you two righteous dudes have given me so many unexpected bursts of laughter and occasional snorts of incredulity while I'm listening to the pod. As I hike through my neighbourhood, that my neighbours now cross the other side of the street when they see me coming. Beautiful. So thank you, Canada, for making my neighbours think I'm a lunatic. Probably rightly so. Ma'am, nice, nice, nice. Then your cousin Mike T said, "Congrats on 400. It's a massive achievement." When I first started listening, I thought there was absolutely no way I'm going to get over Wayne's cackle on speaker, but I did, and I'm related to him. You see, you all merely adopted a laugh. I was born in it, moulded by it. Now it's like a light breeze. <laughs> But seriously, you guys are top of the most awaited list every week. And I've listened to every ep since day one. You have made an outstanding contribution to the podcast world. I'm super excited to see what the next evolution looks like. Well done, lads. Here's another 400. Here's top three. Any idea from your cousin? No, this guy's eclectic. Bad boys. Oh, wait. Yes, I do know. Yes, he's here. Indiana Jones didn't specify which one. And Predator. Ah, nice one, Kozo. Antoine, number three, Malcolm X. Number two, Boys in the Hood. Number one, Godfather, part two. Can't choose a single podcast episode, but my favorite thing about the show is discovering at a time my first was born 10 weeks early and spent all that time in hospital. The show provided some respite and laughs during an otherwise very stressful event. Wow. Speaking of memorable things that happened in hospital, Kia Crow. So you said, nerd list to follow. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, number three, number two, The Dark Knight, number one, Avengers, colon, Endgame. Boom. I started listening five years ago and I haven't missed an episode since. Every week I find myself laughing out loud, nodding my head with enthusiasm or shaking my head in dismay at the back and forth and charm of the show. You've been there on those long drives, the hours cleaning, all cooking, and even childbirth. I'm not even joking about this one. Remember that? I remember that. Uh, everyone, Kia played our show uh, while she was giving birth her... Daughter, I believe, uh, was born to the cackle. There you are. And still is fine. (laughs) (laughs) At last, yeah. So I hope that will continue to be the case. I'm sure it will be uh, with Kia as a mother. I'm such a fangirl. I appreciate you boys brightening up each week for us listeners. Thank you and very excited for what you do next. Mark Bryant said, hands down the best podcast in the world. (laughs) Last six years since I found you guys have been an absolute blast. Thanks for the constant laughs, brilliant banter and amazing recommendations. You're a shining light for that one hour a week. I don't realize the impact you have on so many people's lives. His top three, Predator, Robocop, and The Thing at number one. There it nice is. Nice work, Mark. All right, last couple to wrap it up. Chris Yeeney, top level, second top level, close to top level, patron of the show. 
I can only come two. True Lies number two, Pulp Fiction at number one. Ooh. Your show is honestly a shot in the arm to help me through the week, and I love you kids no matter the format or existence of any show. That being said, if you two ever quit outside of being dead, I'll fly to Perth and shove a mic so far up your asses that every word you say will be recorded. Okay, that's out of fun in my head. Love you. Grease inbound. Very nice. <laughs> and the last word goes to Sam Hurley, he of the Movie Reviews in 20 Q's podcast, who just dropped an episode today for the first time in quite some time. Good to have him back. Number three, Casablanca. Number 12, 12, number 12, number two, 12 Angry Men. Number one, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. And he said, Countdown was the first podcast of a guested on. That was like me deciding to take up acting. And six months later, I'm the star in a Hollywood blockbuster directed by, insert your favorite big name director here. <laughs> it might have seen a relatively benign thing back in 2016 or 17, but I honestly can't describe how much all that means to me given what it grew into. It was really th- that, through that guest spot that I got introduced to so many other great podcasters. I genuinely think if I hadn't reached out and you guys hadn't taken a chance on me, I don't think I would have had ever come across so many awesome, relatively light-minded people who share as much of a passion for movies as I do. That's some today. There's some today who I chat to more than I do my closest friends. Would our show still be going? Would we have ever even have half the downloads we still have? Who knows? But I know you guys changed my podcast in life, and I thank the fuck out of it for both out of you both for that. You've both been absolutely fucking outstanding guests too. Can't wait to do it again with all sincerity. You guys rock. Big so a bit of love there for. I hope people are okay with that indulgence there. But I wanted to share your thoughts, and that's why we got so many through on the show today. Wayne's bit his tongue very no, well. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's, it's fine. a special show. It's a special, it's a special show. show. Yeah, this obviously will not be the case. We're back to the normal thing. In fact, probably be a normal, a shorter thing. Because Wayne, what's happening next week for episode four hundred one, the first in the new iteration of the show? Okay, we've decided that we might give you an insight into our lives or the lives in general of the idea of dating because. Mm-hmm. We are doing, is it top five or top whatever? Top, top five. Top five. That's the other thing. We can play jazz with a number now. If it's going to be a big topic, like longer to talk about, we're just going to do top five. Exactly. Or, mm. or any number, really. Think about it. Uh, seven. So, seven. No, seven each. Five. Different, different. Whatever. We'll figure it out. But uh, yes, it's a, the top five dating stories. Worst dating. Worst experience. dating stories. Yes. Okay. So the nastiest shit that we <laughs> have either done or come across. Yeah. And it doesn't just have to be nasty in that. Sexual sense with Wayne is clearly going to be going Obviously down that track. It's going to go that way with but like me. awful stories where it's just like you share the pain and have a laugh at other people's experiences because we've all had a bad date. Yes. And this brings me to another thing. Not people. just Indiana Jones. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> bad dates. Okay. I, I haven't spoken with Paul about this yet, but if you have, when we announce a topic. We're going to ask you. And you're going to need to get back to us quick because we're recording this one in a couple of days. Yeah. If you've got a bad story you want to tell us about, we it might form part of our lists if we pick it up. So Well, potentially. But we'll still do a bit of a pop 10 back from you. But, Absolutely. But, but if it's sufficiently. One, one or two of my stories come from people that I've dated who told me about their experience. Exactly. So, and that's totally yeah. fine. So usually it's personal to us. But yep. if you come up with some kind of perler, I'm not saying it won't turn up. Okay. Well, at least it'll at least be on the pop 10. At the very we, least. We want to share that. So we hope will be a bit of fun. We hope you'll get on board for it. It's going to be huge. It's going to be very different. And how do the people let us know their worst day experiences or indeed anything else about the new show? By Googling the Countdown Podcast, I guess. And that's what we're called. It's going to be called the Countdown Podcast. We're going to change the name. It's going to appear differently in your feeds, all yep. that kind of stuff. That's going to happen I'm soon. I'm still working on other changes. But yes, all that stuff is happening. Uh, and, and you can find our socials or you can send us an email at thecountdownpodcast at gmail.com or you can check out our website, which is going to have to change a little bit, uh, thecountdownpodcast.com. Yeah. And otherwise, on Twitter at the Countdown PC. Again, that doesn't need to change, which is nice. And follow us on Podbean, where we host the show, or indeed, check us out on Good Pods for a listen there as well. And that is it for this mammoth episode of, for the last time, the Countdown colon movie and TV reviews podcast. My name is Paul. My name is Wayne. And this has been the Soundboard. What the, what the hell are you? No! 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 Sadly, that'll never go. Nope, it will not. <laughs> and neither will we, because we're going to be back despite the fact that uh, 
People <laughs> say, no, don't change the show. No, we are. And we'll see you next week when it is different. Cheers. See ya.